for these next several weeks, um, both services, the one that meets on the hill and the one that meets here, will be dealing with the very same uh, material. We don't do this all the time, but um, <clears throat> we're beginning a series that we really felt God leading us to. Several years back, Tom Rainer wrote a book. Tom Rainer is the president of Lifeway. Whenever you go to a Lifeway uh, bookstore, uh, that's part of his responsibility. Whenever you order Lifeway Sunday School material, that's part of his responsibility. He is, he is the president of the publishing wing of the Southern Baptist Convention. The interesting thing about Tom Rainer is he's also been a pastor. He's also been a professor. He's an incredibly brilliant man, and he is one of the ones who really put on the map the idea of polling, uh, particularly within a Southern Baptist perspective. We know a lot of what we know about the habits of people um, simply because Tom Rayner, through the Rayner Group, uh, his, his organization uh, outside of Lifeway, uh, they, they've hired pollsters, and they will go online and, and call and get people's opinions. He's uh, done things like uh, things that uh, you didn't uh, things you didn't know from your unchurched friends, calling and asking why why don't you go to church, and asking a series of questions and recording their answers and really putting together a lot of data so that we see our we we can begin to see ourselves as clearly as the world sees us. I need to tell y'all something, y'all y'all look right here just a minute. What you think of you as a church is not necessarily what the world thinks of you as a church. Have y'all ever noticed that looking at yourself in the mirror is very different than looking at yourself in a snapshot that someone else took? Am I telling the truth? I mean, I'm looking in the mirror and I, you know, I, I see some gray hair and you know, a little mustache that needs trimming and that kind of thing. And then, you know, but then I see a photograph and I'm thinking, who's that fat guy? You just don't see, you don't, when you're looking in the mirror, you see yourself differently than you see yourself when you're in, through the eyes of someone else. Why am I telling you all that? Because for these next few weeks, we're just going to take Tom, the, 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 the principles laid out in Tom Rainer's book and flesh them out in the life of our church. I am a church member. And this morning, I want to begin with what does the Bible say about church membership? Because I have to be honest with you, what the world says about church membership doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Because the world's opinion does not, does not control what God says or what Scripture has said about what it means to be a church member. God has laid the map before us through writers in the New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, James, and Jude have all laid out uh, the framework that, that we operate by as the, the church of the living God, the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, to go ahead and let you get a head start, you don't have to go there yet, Lester, but to go ahead and give you guys a head start, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as, I begin, as uh, we, we work through some of these next couple of items, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be reading from, and it'll be in just a few moments. What I want you to get is this. Um, there are really two views of membership, the idea of membership. Go ahead to that next slide, Lester. 
go ahead to the next one. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for the, the, uh, the two views of membership. I'm sorry. I'm, mis- I'm the one who messed you up. It's not you. Uh, there's uh, b- black boxes at the top with two statements. I, uh, I used to go to a health club. Been a while, but I used to go. And the interesting thing, when you walk in, you fill out paperwork, and you make commitments, and they make certain commitments, and I give them my money, and they serve me. That's how that club membership works. I give them my money, and they commit to make sure that the pool is clean and that I can use it, and they, make, they commit that all the, the equipment is going to be taken care of. And, and if I have a problem, they'll serve me. They'll just step right up. I've actually gone to get on a piece of apparatus, and someone who worked there happened to see the person who was on it before me, happened to see that they had not wiped off their sweat. Now, that's, one of the, that's just one of the, the little unspoken things. When you work out in a gym, you wipe off the apparatus when you get done because you don't want other people having to wipe off your sweat. I mean, it's, it's kind of gross, but you do that. Man, they came flying over there with a bottle of, of, uh, of uh, some uh, antiseptic, and they <laughs> sprayed it down, wiped it on. I think, go ahead, right now. go ahead, Mr. Jackson. I'm thinking, man, you just wiped all that off, and I'm fixing to cover it back up. But um, there's this idea of I pay my dues, you serve me. I get served. The problem is that's not the biblical idea of membership. Family membership is the biblical idea of membership. It's I get to serve my family so that all are blessed. I get to serve my family. Did you hear that part? Uh, let, me, let me say this as crystal clear as I know how. It is a privilege to be a part of the family of God. It is not a right, and it is not something that you can demand. Did you realize that? Because I want to tell you, as we go to, uh, tell you what, let's go ahead and read the text, and then I'll move on to point number one. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse number 12. If you'd like to stand, you're welcome to stand, and if not, that's okay, okay? For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. I think the way we would say that in our modern time is, well, I don't belong. I'm not an eye. I don't belong. I'm not a hand. I don't belong. But can we, can, does having feet make things easier? Does it? Does having an ear make things easier? It sure does. If the whole body were an eye, would there be the hearing? Where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. May I, may I point you to that? And if you're one who likes to mark in their Bible, this is a good line, a good thing to underline. Verse 18, that last clause, just as he pleased. 
And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker, which seem to be weaker, they seem to be weaker, are necessary. Yeah. And those members of the body which we think less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having even greater honor to that part which lacks it. There, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Kind of a, kind of a long text, a lot longer than I normally read. But uh, necessary nonetheless. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, open our eyes and ears. Open our hearts. Break down anything that doesn't belong and help us realize it. God, would you please invigorate us, encourage us, and remind us of what a privilege it is to be a part of the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You can say, I'm a member of Ridgeview Baptist Church. But I want to tell you, there's, there's, there's something that you need to be a part of before you're ready to be a member of Ridgeview Baptist Church. I am a part of the family of God, and so are you. If you're here this morning, if you've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, to save you, you're a part of the family of God. Now, I've been birthed into the family of God by the Spirit of God. I want to point something out to you. I made a decision one day that I needed to go join a health club. God made the decision one day that I would be a part of his family. It's not my doings. It's God's doings. If you're a part of the family of God, you're here because God has birthed you into the family of God through his Holy Spirit. It's not a choice you make. It's not like deciding I want pizza one day and a hamburger the next. It is a relationship that is birthed in the mind of God and carried out through the Spirit of God, made possible by the Son of God. Therefore, you become a part of the family of God. First John, or the book of John, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, said we've been given the power to become the sons of God. <coughs> God has added me to his family. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the latter part of the chapter. If you don't mind, would you turn there right quick? Acts chapter 2, verse 47. I want you to read something. And again, if you like to underline, this is a good one. Are y'all all right? Y'all look like I done killed you. You okay? Acts chapter 2, verse 47 And I'm just going to read the last little clause right at the end of the verse. You ready? And the Lord added to the church daily those who filled out the paperwork and made application to become members of the local church. Is that what that says? It's not what that says. I need you to listen very carefully. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being 
saved. It's God's doings to birth you into the family of God. It's not some decision, solely upon some decision you made. God has birthed you into his family. I have friends in New Hampshire who uh, are just, I mean, they just, they just have huge hearts. And they have adopted children who otherwise would not be adoptable. And when I say adoptable, does that mean that, that they simply legally could not be adopted? No. It's they've got problems. They've got physical challenges. And when people think of adopting a child, they don't think of adopting a child with a lot of physical challenges. And yet they've not only done it once, they've done it multiple times. And my, my guess is at the rate they're going, they're not going to stop. Now, do you think those children have any say over whether or not they're adopted? Nope, they don't. The parent decides to adopt. All the children have to do is to, is to relent, is to turn loose. Sometimes we, get, we, we have to be pulled away. I wondered sometimes how many of us really, that moment when we got saved, we really having a faith problem, and we wound up almost having to be pulled away rather than just simply saying, I completely trust you. How many of y'all have ever said, I trust you, but in the back of your mind, you really didn't? In the back of your mind, you weren't fully on board. Yeah, it happens. It happens. I'm glad God saves us. Amen? Yeah. I'm a part of the family of God, and I got news for you. It's huge. Our family is huge. Absolutely. You see, there's really three understandings of the family of God, and most of you don't ever hardly think much past the local church. While we're members of the local church, yes, we are a part of the family of God. But we are not exclusive to the family of God. We're not, we're not just it. I mean, that, that's, the family of God doesn't stop with us. Because there's the local church, and we're all members of the worldwide church. Now, let me be really care, careful here. There, there are a lot of religious organizations that have adopted terminology. And when I say this, it's going to feel like I'm kind of talking about them. I'm not talking about some worldwide church of anything. I'm talking about the worldwide population of living people who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and whether, whether they live in one corner of the world or the other, they call Jesus Christ Lord and they're serving Him with their, with their hearts. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That's the worldwide church, and they're everywhere. And by the way, some of them are getting killed because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them are being persecuted and their, their goods are being taken away. Their stuff's being burnt. Their homes are being, being incinerated. I read the other day, and I don't know exactly what the circumstances were, but there were a number of people the other day that uh, the predominant movement in our world uh, that's uh, labeled extremist uh, boiled people in oil to death. Now, John would have been real familiar with that concept, the Gospel of John. Yeah, because they tried to boil him in oil to death, and he came out of the fryer just fine. The point is, Though being a part of the family of God can be costly, 
it's not costing us much of anything right now. Right here in America, it's not costing us much of anything. And yet we have literally brothers and sisters all over the world who are giving their lives. So there is this local church, Ridgeview Baptist Church. You could even say there's the Knoxville Church. And if I said the Knoxville Church, I could be talking about any number of churches. I could be talking about the Knoxville Baptist Association. I could be talking about the, the Knoxville churches that we would, we would embrace under the, under the umbrella of evangelical churches. They believe that one must come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. So we could reference them. But I want, you, I want you to think about this. There's also a church we talk about as the church universal or the universal church. Everyone who has ever named the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is a member of the body of Christ, whether they be living in their flesh or already dead. Are y'all tracking? See, when we gather around the throne, for those of us who at times we feel uncomfortable because we just don't know everybody within the local body, I don't know who they are. They're new and I haven't met them and I, I just feel like I don't know anybody anymore. Heaven's going to be a bad place for you. Because they done, they done people there you never even met here. And you're going to spend eternity with them? My guess is you got lots of time to get acquainted. Amen? Yeah. So there's this church universal, and that's everyone who has ever come to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, been covered by his blood, had their sins washed away, will all gather around the throne singing glory to the Lamb. And they come from more more places than you can begin to imagine. There are going to be languages that are left behind here. Languages that today would separate us from being able to communicate. I will never, ever, ever forget this moment. In 1997, I flew to Budapest, Hungary, and I got off the airplane. Can I tell you, there are a few things in life any more disconcerting than to get off an airplane and the first person you meet standing outside the door is a soldier with a loaded weapon and he ain't smiling. And you walk down the stairs because they don't have jetways in, uh, in Budapest. You walk down the stairs and across the tarmac like you do in a lot of other, uh, like, like we used to do here in America. And you walk through the building and right in front of you, there's these, there's these little alleyways that are kind of glassed off from one another. And there's a guy sitting in there who looks like he don't want you here. And you walk up and you lay your, your passport down and he speaks to you. And it's not English. That is disconcerting. Because the first thing that crosses your mind is he doesn't understand me. And I don't know how to make him understand me. And what's worse, I might say the wrong thing, and he take it for the wrong thing, and things could go bad here real, real, real quick. It was my first time ever out of the country. Anyway, we, we talked, and with a look of disgust on his face, he stamped my passport, slammed it shut, slid it across, and motioned to the guy behind me. Well, I walked through, and I'm thinking, man, I am so thirsty. i got to get something to drink. And I reach in my pocket, and I pull out some change. There's one problem with this change. It's American. And they don't take it. As a matter of fact, it's illegal for them to take American currency. 
Matter of fact, if you have to go to the government-sponsored exchange stations to exchange your money for the local currency. So I just bypassed it. I saw the guy. I was there to meet. He spoke English. We talked. We got in the car and we left and drove six hours and crossed the border into Romania. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because other than his, other than his voice speaking English, I didn't hear a single soul speak English for the better part of, of uh, over a week. We were looking for something in particular, looking for a man to help, a particular man to help. And we went, found ourselves in a city called Constanza. In Constanza, uh, it's right on the Black Sea. It was, it was one of the big beach and recreation areas for Hitler's Nazi Germany. When his uh, officers would go on R&R, they would take their families to Constanza. Uh, beautiful beaches right there, like I said, on the shore of the Black Sea. Great food. Uh, just, just a lot of stuff to see in a very a beautiful place. Uh, the, the, to see the sunrise from that, that area is, uh, is, is something to really behold. Um, but uh, we rolled in there on a Wednesday night, and he, Wednesday afternoon, he said, hey, let's just find a local church, and we'll worship tonight with them. I said, that's great. So we're looking around, and he's asked two or three places, and somebody finally directs him to a house, and so we're driving around through this neighborhood, and we pull up. He says, you stay here. I'll be right back. He comes back. He says, hey, they're not having church tonight. They have their prayer meeting on Thursday night, but they're having choir practice. Do you want to go in? I said, sure. So I got out of the car, and I walked in. And uh, I looked, pardon the pun, like the pork chop at the Jewish picnic. Um, I'm, I walk in, and everybody's just glaring. And uh, what, I, what I realized later is that they'd all been told that an American pastor wanted to come here practice, wanted to hear their choir practice. That's how they took it. And so I walked in, and he and I walked to the back, and we sat down on the back pew. And uh, the choir director stood up and very stern. They're very serious people very stern. He's barking out orders and calling out, obviously calling out page numbers. They're turning in their books. And I'm sitting there and I'm just trying to get my wits about me and just, you know, just, just try to calm down a little bit. And he begins to lead. I hear the chord on the piano. And as he begins, this is exactly what I hear in perfect four-part harmony. Are y'all listening? This is exactly what I hear in perfect four-part harmony. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. They're singing in English. They're singing in English. And all of a sudden, in that moment, a cappella, uh, no piano. They just gave them the chord to start on. And this beautiful four-part harmony resonating in English just filled me. I sat there and wept. I wept like a baby. I ain't lying. That was one of the most beautiful things I ever heard in my life. I hadn't heard a good English, hadn't heard English from anybody but him in, in several days. And to go in and sit down and know that they're singing this just for me. And it crossed my mind when we all get to heaven where there is no barrier in language. Can you imagine the sound of the singing in heaven? Can you imagine? Gathered around the throne singing glory to the Lamb who was slain. Amen? Who's worthy of glory and honor and majesty and power. Man, that's just, that's just good stuff. Why am I telling you all that? 
because the church is a lot bigger than we ever dreamed. It spans languages and distance and cultures, even cultures that would be marked by some Islamic observations. People with an Islamic background now coming to know the Lord Jesus. And they still dress the way they've always dressed. They still speak Arabic. And yet they love the Lord Jesus. And they call him their Lord and their Savior. Guys, this church thing is a lot bigger than any of us have ever dreamed. I love the fact that not only can we talk about issues like nationality and cultures, but, uh, you know, he's pretty clear here. He said neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free. Y'all, did y'all catch that part? So let me say this as clearly as I know how. There isn't a man-made barrier that Christianity doesn't cross. It's cultural. It's national. It's even social. And that's how come on any given Sunday morning you can have folks who've done very, very well in life financially sitting side by side with folks who are struggling to make ends meet. That's how come we, we can have uh, people of, of different races and different ethnicities sitting side by side. And when they stand up to sing, the old rugged cross, it means the same thing. It means the same thing. I am a member, a part of the family of God. Paul was so adamant about it. He wrote this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. He says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Can I have an amen? For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. But he didn't stop there. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise I have a truth for you this morning that matters like, like few other are going to matter. Are you listening? Are, you, are y'all, y'all tracking? Are you listening? The body of Christ is not complete without you. You. Individually, you. I want you to say this with me out loud. I want you to say the body of Christ is not complete without me. Because that's exactly what I'm trying to get across to you this morning. You ready? The body of Christ is not complete without. It's true. You are part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you are also able to say this. I am a church member. I am a member of the body of Christ. And I am also a member of the local church who stands as representative of our Lord Jesus Christ in this community. Church membership was never designed to be the I pay my dues, serve me kind of body. It's a family. We are nothing more than than the group who gathers here who call Jesus Christ our Lord and God our Father. We are all part of the family of God. And yet, in our culture, it is so easy to slip into the other way of thinking that somehow membership comes with privileges. 
Well, I would say in a, in a very, very loose way, membership does come with privileges. You have the privilege to serve. Can I point something out? My dear wife, she, uh, she, she's got a big heart, and she cares for all of our grandchildren and, and all this kind of stuff, and, and she just works herself absolutely silly in, sometimes in doing it. But there's an interesting thing that happens. She goes into the kitchen, and she'll prepare a meal. And she prepares this meal, and she kind of parts it out on the plates for the, for the little kids and then makes sure that everybody else has some. But there's an interesting thing she does. Y'all, y'all catch this part. She eats too. She eats too. I'm going to say this clear, and I want you to hear me. Serving doesn't mean you don't have your needs met. Serving means we serve so that everyone is better off. And in the process, I too am better off. That's the concept behind this family membership. And I am a church member, not to exercise and to stamp my foot and raise my fist and say, I'm a member, I deserve, mm. but it's more of, I'm a member and I can't wait to be a part of what God is doing here. I, I can't wait to be a part of reaching in and helping to change lives. I'm amazed at times at how many of you are busy in the lives of other church members, and no, you don't ever say anything to anybody. You know when I hear that you've been that you've made visits to people who made who needed a visit. You know when I hear about them when I visit them. They'll tell me so and so has been so good to call. So and so has been so good to send a card, to check on me. Lately, I, some of y'all have got are beginning to get this family thing because I've been walking in there say. And they'll call a name. So-and-so's been so good to visit. They came to visit me. It's almost like a surprise to them that, that somebody came to visit them. I'm thinking, wow. Isn't, uh, that's, that's what it's about, is it not? God has given you an ability that, in a package that he's given no one else. And because of that, it's very clear that he has a role for you to fulfill. He may have gifted you with skills and abilities that are unique through that you could use an organization, some kind of technical ability, some kind of the ability to meet a need, communication. Some of you he's gifted with artistic poise and talent. And whether it's through singing or music, playing the music, Maybe even for some, it's, it's an athletic ability that gives you some kind of ability to, uh, to serve him in a unique way. By calling you to a specific area of ministry, God gives us an opportunity to give glory and honor to him, and he gives us a platform upon which to accomplish it. Burden-sharing, burden-bearing ministry— Maybe a benevolence ministry, a care ministry, making phone calls, writing letters. Every single role is critical to the body of Christ. And that's why I can say the family of God is not complete without me, nor is it complete without you. 
God has given these unique skills and abilities. I look around the room, and i got to tell you, my mind's whirling because everywhere I look, I'm seeing people that are great at exercising the gifts that God has given them. And I know we talk about her a lot, and I don't want to embarrass her, but one of the classic examples is sitting right over here. Miss Anita. Man, do y'all know you can say I love you with food? Do y'all know that? Do you know that you can write a love letter in spaghetti? <laughs> Did you know you can touch the bottom of somebody's heart with some corn chowder? Man, she, she says, oh, it's what I love to do. And, and to me, I, th that, that is the most telling thing. I want to share something with you. We're all the time walking around saying, well, I've taken gift analysis, and I've, it said this, and it said that, and it said the other. I'm going to ask you a straight-up question. What do you love to do? What really makes your heart leap? When you get the chance to do a certain thing, what do you really like to do? How do you really like to serve and to express your love and care for other people? Because there's a very good chance that that which you love to do is at the center of the giftedness God has given you. There's a very good chance that that which you love to do is right at the center of how God's gifted you. Some of you, some of you just like to give. Every time, I, every time we turn around, you're giving. Some of you, 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 just, you, you like to check on people and make sure they've got enough food and make sure this, that, and other. Some of you all, you, you love to teach and it just pours out of you. Some of you all love to take care and to make sure that all the needs of this local body, as far as a building and grounds and all that, make sure all that's taken care of. Do, do you realize that that's part of your giftedness? That's part of the package that God made and put within you? And that by doing that, you're giving glory and honor to God? It's not simply having a say or having control or, or doing this or that. When you are accomplishing that which you really enjoy, there's a very good chance that without even realizing it, you have self-identified that thing that God has gifted you to do. One of the reasons I can say that is this, because there's no time in anyone's life when they're ever happier than when they're doing exactly what God has put them here to do. Happiness comes in finding fulfillment in the package that God has made in you. I'm not sure God's ever used a quilt, but I've seen some ladies who are just ecstatic to make them. Amen? I've seen, I've seen it expressed in, in more ways than I can count. Some roles are publicly visible. Some roles are just accomplished through relative anonymity. By the way, I'm just curious. How many of y'all have ever seen your small intestine? Anybody ever seen your small intestine? I have one guy back here seeing small intestine. God bless you, brother. I, yeah, I, I'm tracking. Yeah, nobody else? How many of y'all are willing to live without one? Sometimes the most anonymous things, the things you never see, the things you never even talk about, are vital to the life of the body. Amen? There's... We've got this idea that it must be seen and it must be recognized. And I'm telling you, it is. 
there's nothing you do, nothing you say, no way you serve that isn't seen and acknowledged by the Lord God Almighty. And one day when we walk in front of the throne, the, the throne of uh, the, um, the judgment seat of Christ, and we have an opportunity to take all these gifts that he's given us and say, I've done the best I know how, Jesus. And these are the things that, that have been garnered along the way. And I, it, it's my privilege. They're all yours. You gave me the power. You gave me everything. You gave me the health. And I lay them at your feet. Lord, I just want to thank you for letting me be a part of your family. Last thing is this. Win or lose, we're all in this together. Read that text. Right there, the very last. He says, and if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Win or lose, the family of God's all in it together. When there's grief, we, we share it. Amen? When there's victory and celebration, we share it. Amen? We do. Which brings me to the time of invitation this morning. It's not going to be an invitation like normal. This is different, very different. But I want you all to take just a moment and begin to think. What was your best day as a church member? What was your very best day as a church member? I want you to think about how God has used the church in your life. And maybe even a place and time when God allowed you to be used in a, in a big way.